G'day friends. Woohoo, what a three weeks of footy that was. Huge shifts all over the ladder. Reckon the flag favourite changed just about every single day. What I'm what I'm gonna do is give a report card on how each club went during the festival of footy over the next two days. I'm gonna go through each result and then give each club an A through F grading. Uh, today I'm doing GWS, Sydney, Geelong, Port Adelaide, North Melbourne, Brisbane, Melbourne, Collingwood and Fremantle. You didn't hear your team, don't worry. I'll get to them tomorrow. I'm doing it in you know two parts. Otherwise the podcast would just would have been way too long and I just don't think I would have enjoyed doing it. Couldn't have brought the same enthusiasm. So I'm spreading it over two days. Let's get into it. Giants first. Three games and a bye. One of the six teams to have a bye during the period, you know, during the festival of footy. That being said, the buys don't really mean a whole lot, given it only netted them a six-day break between their uh, second and third game. Uh, okay, so their results... Right, a 26-point victory over the Gold Coast, 4-point win over the Bombers, and a 41-point thrashing at the hands of the Swans. They would have been pretty pleased with the wins over the Suns and the Bombers, but that... over the Suns and the Bombers, but that Swans loss was fucking ugly. They did not even show up for that game. The, the talent and skill of the Giants list has never been doubted, right? They got a great selection of some of the best players in the comp in all areas of the ground, right? You know, you got they got guys like Haynes and Davis in the back line. You got Kelly, Canelio, Whitfield in the middle, Cameron, Green, Himmelberg, up front. Like, they, they got a really solid list. Like, they, the quality is never doubted. But when they have a loss, like they did against the Swans, it's always their effort that is the problem. Right? Sometimes they just don't try. And it's made them largely inconsistent this year. It's been their biggest problem. And if they can't, if they can't bring the effort... Every week, well, they're not even going to make finals, first of all, but they can't expect to make it to another grand final, let alone win one. The Suns game was good because they were able to run over the top of them in the second half, 
their three big boys up forward, Cameron, Finlayson, Himmelberg. Right. When they're trying, they're just about the most dangerous trio in the comp. I reckon. Like, three big boys who are all extremely athletic and mobile and potent in front of goal. Like, that's what you want. When they're on song, they're seriously dangerous. Um, they did lose Toby Green in that game. Don't know when he's going to be back, but that's not ideal. Um, the Essendon game was the stupid one where not a single goal was kicked until the first minute of the second quarter. Um, when you consider they only won because they came out on fire in the last quarter and kicked four goals to one, makes it a little bit less impressive, as does when you factor in Essendon's current form. Uh, the Swans game doesn't really even warrant analysis. They were just listless. The Swans are third bottom, and the Giants played in a grand final last year. So, enough said. You can't get belted like that if, if you're the Giants, not by Sydney. Uh, I'm going to grade them. I'm going to grade them a C. Give them a C. I'm just, I'm just giving the audio a try without the little mesh thing in front of the microphone, just to see if that sounds a little bit clearer, a little bit better. Going to see how it sounds and compare it later on. So I hope it sounds okay, guys. Never tried this before. All right, moving on to the Sydney Swans. Three games and a bye uh, for one win and two losses. Like, that's honestly fine for them. They're building. They're still playing, like, decent footy. I think of the bottom four sides, they deserve to be there the least. They've been pretty good this year, the Swans. Uh, they lost to the Saints by 53 points, lost to the Pies by 9 points, and thwacked the Giants by 41 points. The Saints' loss looks worse on paper than it was. They were still in that game at three-quarter time, and then St Kilda just blew them apart in the last term. And biggest problem they had in that game was that Papley had very little influence. Without Franklin in the side, without Heaney in the side, Reed isn't really doing a lot of damage. If Papley isn't, you know, hitting the scoreboard, or at least having a lot of influence, they're not going to win. By the way, given how tight the race is for small forward spots on the All-Australian side, if Papley doesn't stop milking all these freeze and just being a bit silly he's going to cost himself that spot everyone's pretty much saying it's Dan Butler's but I think Papley given the side that he's in has probably on paper had a better year mate we'll see which see who ends up with more goals Dan Butler's third in the Coleman at the moment granted he's third by like eight but still I think it's pretty much down to those two I don't think Cameron's going to get in I don't think Green's going to I mean as I said last time you could probably fit two of them into the side, maybe three with one on the bench, depends. But, you know, at the moment it's Papley and Butler probably both get in. Maybe only one of them does. Maybe they both get in. And maybe Green or Cameron gets in. Although if Green's injured, I don't know. I'm just confusing myself here. Um, even though it was a loss, I'd say the Pies game was actually quite impressive. They... They held the biggest lead of the match at halftime, but they just weren't quite able to hold the pies off. This is the game with that amazing Dacos goal at the end. It's also the pie. It's also the game where the pies started off with a 
uh, with one goal 10 before they kick their second goal. So you could say that this ones were a bit unlucky not to get the win, honestly. Um, but I tell you what, after they had their bye, they got the big they got the big scalp that they'd been after. They pulled off one of the most dominant victories of the year against the Giants. Like, it's not like, it wasn't like they played a really good quarter, a really good half. They outplayed the Giants for the entire game and they were really, really impressive. This is the sort of footy that the Swans are going to be able to play, you know, as their young side gets better and better over the next few years. It's how I know that they're the best of the bottom four sides at the moment. If you have an off day against the Swans, that's what they're going to do to you. They're going to just absolutely thwack you. I'm going to give them a B minus. They should be pretty happy with how they've gone. Okay. All right. So Geelong. Seemingly out of nowhere, Geelong are now premiership favourites. Explain that to me. They, they, they are just about one of the scariest sides in the comp at the moment. Four games for three wins and a loss. Uh, that loss was the sensational game against the Eagles, who only ended up winning by nine points, and it was in Perth. Remember that as well. Then then the Cats, off only a four-day break, smacked the Roos by five goals, then the Saints by ten goals, and then off another four-day break, Port by ten goals again. That is fucking crazy. Like, Port and St Kilda were first and second on the ladder, like, a week ago, <laughs> it feels like. Like, oh, the, the West Coast loss for them, I wouldn't really say is a big deal. It's probably going to be, like, probably going to see them play again in the grand final or at least a prelim. So, they're going to have another go at them, for sure. Um, they, they did lead for most of the game. At Upper Stadium, but then the Eagles just you know, outplayed them in that last quarter. But they didn't lose many fans off that loss. They were they were really good. The Eagles are really good as well, just that little bit better. Um, they would have very much expected to beat North Melbourne, so yeah, they just got the job done in that game. Did what they had to do. The St Kilda and Port Adelaide victories were just silly. They made two very good sides look absolutely pathetic. 59 and 60 point victories against St Kilda and Port Adelaide. Now both Port's still on top of the ladder and St Kilda are fifth at the moment, but when they played each of them, they were first and second. Like, that's a bit silly that they were able to do that, honestly. And I'm sure they're going to do it again to other sides before the year is over. They, they have Adelaide on Sunday, so I would be shitting myself if I was the Crows. I'm going to give the Cats an A. Would have been an A+, plus if they beat the Eagles. Just nine points difference, or ten points difference, I should say. They get the win against the Eagles, give them an A+, plus, but an A is still very, very good. All right, next up is the team that's been on top of the ladder since round one, Port Adelaide. Uh, three wins and one loss. Out of the Festival of Footy, they smashed Melbourne by 51 points. Uh, they got the job done against the Bulldogs and Richmond by 13 and 21 points, respectively. And then they got their pants pulled down by the Kitty Cats. 
the Melbourne win looks a bit more impressive now, given how the Demons have shot up the ladder into eighth place. Um, but a, I mean, you know, a 50-point drubbing of anyone is always a good effort. Uh, the win over the Dogs was definitely earned. The Dogs came at them hard and lent, actually, for most of the first half of that game. Um, the only real difference was the third quarter, where Port kicked four goals to none. Uh, the Dogs could definitely one if they kicked straight in the last term, rather than two goals six. But, you know, shit happens. The The Richmond game was an absolute ripper. That was the seesawing, you know, Port kicked a bunch of goals, Richmond kicked a bunch of goals, Port, you know, Richmond, you know, whatever. That was a really nice game to watch. Very entertaining. Like, if you look at the scoreworm, it's entertainment perfection. Twice during the game. Excuse me. Uh, Port got out to a 20-plus point lead, and then Richmond fought back both times. Just so happens that Port were able to do it a third time, and Richmond didn't have time to fight back because the game was over and Port had won. So there you go. <laughs> Probably says something that it was Port getting in front each time and not the Tigers. Um, awesome game, though. Really awesome game. Uh, the Geelong game was not good at all. Especially when you consider the Cats came off a four-day break and Port had six days break. And Geelong did that to them. So... That's, you know, they're saying every team this year is having their low point, having their little slip up, you know, whatever. I think that was, I mean, Port have lost our games, but that was their slip up. Ten goals to Geelong when Geelong had two less days to prepare. They hung in them, hung, uh, hung in with them, excuse me, for the first half, but then ten goals to three in the second half is not good. Anyway, you slice it. Their grade, their grade can B plus, A minus, B plus. I'm going to give them a B plus. Port Adelaide get a B plus because that cat's loss was bad. B-b-b-bad. Not good. Okay. The Kangas. Kangarubies. One win, three losses. Oh, dear. One of the teams struggling the most this year, for sure. Uh, the win was a huge one against the Crows. Uh, and then the losses came by 33 points to Geelong, 57 points to the Ds, and one point to the Lions. Uh, despite it being against the Crows, that win's still pretty impressive. 69 points... Uh, I'm pretty sure at 119 points, that is the highest score by any team this year. Uh, in fact, I know it is. I checked. Um, they should be applauded for that. That was well done. Um, the Cats and the Ds both got the ruse pretty good, though. The Ds game was especially poor. It was only five points difference at half time in a low-scoring game, and then Melbourne kicked... Nine goals to North's one in the second half. That's not ideal. Oh, hope he's not comfy on the beanbag. There he goes. Okay. Um, yeah, that's not good. That's happening a lot this year. It's happening a lot. Like, teams are sort of hanging in there until halftime, and then in the second half, they're just getting smashed to smithereens. 
from what I can hear in my ears, I'm going to put this thing back in front of the microphone. Because I think when I sort of don't speak and then start speaking again, the sound jump is a bit too much. So that's that experiment over. Um, what was I talking about? The Melbourne loss. Yeah. Nine goals to one in the second half. That's not good. That's how you get a 10 goal final margin. Uh, big losses aside now. The... The fact that even even though the Roos couldn't beat them, they did get as close as you can get to Brisbane, which is a pretty good effort. The Lions, they might be the most troubled side in front of goal this year, but they're still a top four team. In fact, I believe they're still second. Maybe Geelong's taken those. I think they're still second, maybe third. And they're going to finish the year in the top four, barring a calamity from them. So, you know... Good on the Kangas for that effort, getting within a point. Tight losses are always, you know, pretty heartbreaking, but they should be proud anyway. Um, they haven't got much else to be proud of lately, <laughs> to be honest. I'm still baffled with how their list, which is not bad, is producing that this year. Anyway, I'm going to give them a D plus. I think. Yeah, D plus. Not as bad as you can go, but pretty fucking close. All right. All right, next, the aforementioned Lions. Let's do that. Let's have a little drinky pool of water first. Take a quick smoke out. All right. Brisbane. Three wins and one loss. A, a 10-goal thumping of Essendon. And then Richmond got them by 41 points. Then they were able to outplay the doggies by four goals. And then lastly, as the dispension, they snuck home against the Roos by one point. What is especially good about the Essendon win is not the margin, but being able to keep them to only 28 points for the match. That is very, very good. Granted, Essendon aren't going too hot at all, but it was still a pretty dominant performance. Um... That was another 30 disposal, two goal game for Neil as well. Um, you need to stop his impact to beat the Lions at the moment. Like he, He's going to win the Brownlow. He is pretty unstoppable. What I like about Neil is he isn't like... So my favourite type of player is that 190 centimetre big-bodied midfielder. I love Dangerfield, Fife and Cripps. I love those kind of players, right? Neil is a bit different. He's much on the short. I don't know exactly how tall he is, but he's you know he'd be between 180, 185 centimeters, which you know it, like given he doesn't play like that. He plays like Dangerfield and Cripps and Five, right? He gets huge numbers. He kicks lots of goals. He like he was very good last year when Brisbane sort of shot up the ladder, but this year he's just somehow gone to another level and when you consider the other he's surrounded by lots of other good midfielders and he still plays the way he does he still carries when he doesn't really need to he's pretty scary you really got to stop him to stop Brisbane at the moment um so I touched on their goal kicking problems just before the loss to Richmond is exactly why they need to start being much more accurate in front of goal they kicked four goals 17 in that game 
They only had one less scoring shot than the Tigers, and they lost by 41 points. Good gravy. Across their last four games, right, during the festival, they kicked 36 goals, 41 behinds. It's not very good. It's not terrible. It's, you know, five more points than you did goals is not great. Not end of the world. For the year, though, they've kicked 115 goals, 139 behinds. Oh, dear. I hope you appreciate that stat, because it took me ages to add up all their bloody scores. Uh, that's not the the scoreline of a premiership contender. I don't think so. Like, oh, there's a lot of commentary about their tall forwards, how they've pretty much just got Hipwood and McStay, and how those two are not really going to get the job done when it comes to the first Saturday in November, whenever the fuck they're going to play the grand final, right? Um, it's their biggest problem. They they really just got to kick straight. Like, compare them, right? to the other teams in the top four. Port, this year, have kicked 117 goals, 124 behinds. Again, not perfect, but it is a lot, lot better. Geelong, for the year, have kicked 132 goals, 96 behinds, which is terrifying, right? And West Coast have kicked 112 goals, 80 behinds. Also very accurate. It's a big reason I think it's going to be Geelong and West Coast in the grand final. They are kicking straight and they're winning games big, right? Especially with these shorter games, you, like if you kick straight, you're going to win so much more often. Now, Geelong, uh, Geelong, Brisbane are still winning anyway. But when it comes to finals, they, they're, they're going to get shown up if they can't kick straight against Geelong and West Coast and St Kilda and Richmond and Port Adelaide, like these other teams that are going very well and kicking pretty straight, right? Uh, uh, In terms of the Bulldogs game, uh, all they did and all they needed to do was slam home six unanswered goals across 20 minutes in the, I think it was the second and third on either side of halftime, I think it was. Uh, Other than that, that game was pretty even. Uh, And as I said before, the North game was much closer than I think Brisbane would have liked. But, you know, it. I guess it shows a bit of maturity where you can, you know, win a close game, not get run over the top of. I will give the Lions a B, I think. They need to start... I would love to see them win the grand final, but they're not going to do it if they can't kick straight. They need to rest Charlie Cameron. If Charlie Cameron's knee is buggered, they, they shouldn't play him. All right? They, like, unless they lose every game for the rest of the year, they're going to finish top four. Right, they they're going to be getting home finals by the looks of things, no matter where they finish. So they don't need to worry about that. Just finish top four, right? If they if they leave him out for two or three weeks, then they lose a game they didn't think they would. That's fine, right? Still going to finish top four. Rest him, get him ready for finals. I'm only saying that because they play St Kilda on Sunday, and I would really like him to not be in the team. Okay, don't tell anyone. Okay, next under the microscope is Melbing. Would you believe it? Three wins, one loss. They were the big jumper. As in, they leapt up the ladder a lot. They didn't, you know, they weren't a large hoodie, if you get what I mean, during the festival of footy. Uh, They went down to Port by 51 points, but then recorded a 51 
57 and 56 point victories against Adelaide, North and Collingwood. That is bananas. That's crazy. <laughs> what amazing like they lose one game by over 50 points and then they win three in a row all by over 50 points. But like also in that, you know, 50 bracket, that's crazy. The Port game was a bit of a disaster. There, um, not really anything positive to say about that game from a Melbourne perspective. Uh, then six days later, right, they were only five points up at half time against the Crows, who I don't think are actually going to win a game this year. They, the Crows have come to play. They're like they, like I've been watching every Adelaide game just so if they do win, I'm going to say it. Up to half time, the Crows were playing pretty well. They they were like really putting Melbourne under a lot of pressure. But Melbourne came out at half time and kicked eight goals to one in the second half, and they did not look back for the rest of the twenty days. They were completely dominant against North and Collingwood, <laughs> which could be taken with a grain of salt if you felt like it, given North are pretty shit at the moment and the Pies don't have a forward line. Um, they do have, Melbourne do have the Bulldogs and St Kilda in the next two weeks, so that will show us exactly where they're at. Petrarca has now become the, the player he was forecast to be. He is an absolute monster in the middle. No one can touch him, and he just runs through blokes like a battering ram. At the moment, he's probably up there with Neil as the best player in the comp. It's just, you know, he's only started playing this well halfway through the year, so he's not going to touch Neil when it comes to the Brownlow, you wouldn't think. Um, Melman did brilliantly after that first loss, so I'm going to give him an A-. minus. Like, if you take these games, what's their... Pers- like, just... Their percentage is going to be like what they go down by 50, but then they like, so they're a hundred points on top, like across the four games, they've outscored on average their opponents by a hundred points down by 50 and then up by 150. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. Oh, this is going to bring me a bit of joy. This next one, Collie Wobbles, Collingwood are up next. And they do have the Collie Wobbles, oh dear. Uh, they can just about kiss finals goodbye now, if you ask me. Two wins and two losses out of the out of the festival of footy. I love saying that. And I can tell you the wins were not that impressive. So first up, they had a two-goal loss to Fremantle, then a nine-point win over the Swans, then a four-goal win over the Crows, and then a 56-point loss to the Ds. I said three or four weeks ago that they should bring Cox back into the side because one way or another, eventually, he will equal more goals. Right? Across the four festival games, the Pies scored 205 points. The only teams who played four games in that time and scored less than them were Adelaide and Essendon, neither of whom won any of their four games. So the fact that Collingwood won half of their games and were the third lowest scoring team out of the teams that played four games is not good, right? They have a real scoring problem. 
If my check misses a game or two with that bad concussion he got, they absolutely have to bring Cox in and make it work. Because they still have to play Brisbane and Port this year, which I can't see them winning at the moment. They've got to play Carlton Gold Coast, you know, who honestly they would struggle to beat. They could, but they would struggle. And then they've got North, who they should beat probably. So, you know, that's probably one win, maybe three, off their current form. If that happens, they're going to finish between 9th and 11th, I would imagine, which they would consider absolutely unacceptable. So they need to figure their shit out. They need to figure their shit out so bad. Got to kick goals from somewhere. Isn't isn't um, Roughhead not in the team? He was at fullback and now he's not in the team. They brought Linda Dunn in, but not Roughhead. Maybe like throw Dunn to full forward or Roughhead to full forward if they really don't want to bring Cox in. Oh, God forbid. Put two tall bodies down there. All right, my check's out. Throw Roughhead down there and, and Cox. You know, do something. Like... He, Buckley's a good coach. He had that brilliant stroke of genius a month or so ago when he put Stevenson halfback, Elliot in the middle, and, you know, it fixed everything. They won a few games because Sidebottom still wasn't in, and I think Penderbury was out at that point, so they had to change everything. Uh, I think Penderbury will be back this week, or maybe he's already come back. I don't know. There's too many games to keep track of now. Anyway, so that, you know, their midfield will be bolstered by the return of Penderbury, so, they, so Elliot can go back forward. Stevenson's over 190 centimetres, so he needs to be their main tall target, right? He's, he's not a laid-up sort of marking forward. I mean, he is sometimes, but sometimes he's also not. It's more of a zippy, you know, get it at 45 metres out. You know, like He's more like a centre-half forward, really. But they need to make sure he's playing in the forward line. But they need tall targets down there to bring the ball to ground. Otherwise, they're just going to get outmarked. They've got lots of problems. The The Fremantle loss was bad. Uh, they were a bottom four side at the time. Uh, yeah, so that's not good. The Pies were good enough to get over the line against a competitive Sydney. So, you know, I mean, good enough, I guess. Everyone's beating Adelaide at the moment. They, they probably would have expected to have done it by more, honestly. And the Melbourne loss was pretty embarrassing for Collingwood. Like, 56 points is a demolition. I'm going to give them a D plus, given they still pulled out two wins and only got smashed once. So, D plus for Collingwood on this one. All right. Last up today, we're nearly done. Fremantle. Um, were it not for that amazing Nunes goal, they would have won all three of their games. Two wins, one loss, and a bye. The two wins they got showed us two things, right? One, that Longmuir knows how to coach. He's a very good coach, and we can tell already, right? And two, this young list is going to be great to watch in the next few years. Fremantle and Sydney are two teams who are rebuilding and they look like they're doing it right. All right, they have, they're not winning a lot of games, but they are playing exciting footy, and they are like just pinching games here and there, and it's great to watch. Really, really nice to watch. 
they beat the Pies by two goals after trailing at three-quarter time, which is extremely impressive, right? Not a lot of teams have come back after, you know, trailing at three-quarter time. So that's really good. Um, they had a week off, and then they controlled the entirety of a close game against the Hawks, and they won by 16. And then only a little bit of brilliance from Nunes cost them what would have been a hard-fought win in the wet in their third game. That that Carlton game was scrappy in the wet weather. Like, there technically wasn't a goal kicked at all in the last term. Only Nunes has won after the siren. Yeah. Still, they went toe-to-toe in a messy, intense battle, and they just kind of got unlucky Fremantle. I think they played in another wet game a month or so ago. I can't remember who it was against. I think it was them. And... They, they got pretty well smashed because they didn't play to the conditions. It seems like they learnt a lot better how to play in the wet, um, even though they still weren't able to get the win. But, you know, again, it's just they're just going to learn. He's a smart coach. He's got lots of good young players. They're just going to learn. Every time they have a loss like this, they're just going to learn little things and it's going to help them improve. That's what they're going to want to do. Um, yeah, they're not amassing huge scores or blowing teams away or anything like that. But Frio go into every game with a plan. They got high quality young players. Those two wins, you know, in the last, you know, during the, now I'm trying to avoid saying it, during the festival, is probably now going to keep them out of the bottom four. Hawthorne, I think, are now second bottom. So I think it goes Adelaide, Hawthorne, then it must be North Sydney or Sydney North, something like that. But Fremantle are out of the bottom four, which is fantastic for them. That should be... That's a bloody good result for them. I'm going to give them an A-. minus. Really, really well done by them. Okay, so that's the first half done. I will be back again tomorrow with the greats for Carlton, Bulldogs, Adelaide, St Kilda, Essendon, West Coast, Hawthorne, Richmond, and the Gold Coast. So stay tuned, as long as it isn't raining too heavily. There is rain forecast for tomorrow. Don't know about tomorrow night, but if it's, ra- if it's raining heavily, you'll all be able to hear it, so I won't be able to record. So I'll do it, yeah, I'll have to push it down. I'll let you know. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I really enjoyed the Festival of Footy. I'm glad we're getting another one. We've got, uh, I think, one round of normal footy. And then after that, we're back into more cramming, which I absolutely love. Hope you guys are enjoying it too. Hope you're staying safe and smart out there in terms of masks and not looking doorknobs and whatnot. Look after each other. Stay safe and all that. Thanks for listening. Say that already. Love you guys.